as you learned, your parents don't have good reasons necessarily for why they believe what they believe. And in fact, sometimes your parents cannot defend their faith once you have taken away their only weapon. And what do you think their only weapon is right now? When somebody says, hey, why do you think this is a sin? What do you think your parents would say? Because the Bible says so, right. What happens if somebody takes away your parents' weapon, the Bible? They say, well, I don't even believe in the Bible. What do you got now? Uh, right? Um, hey, and guys, I, my mom doesn't know apologetics. Her parents or her preacher or her, they didn't teach her evidences for the Christian faith. Our grandparents didn't get taught evidences of the Christian faith. People were Christians because everyone was a Christian. That's just who we were. We were a Christian nation. We had laws that were based on the Bible because the Bible was true. Why is it true? Nobody questioned whether or not it was true. Everybody knew it was true. You see what I'm saying? And so unfortunately with all these generations, we've lost the ability to not only defend it, but to know why we need to in the first place. And so you're about the first generation that's kind of rediscovering an ancient practice, which was evidences for God. And, and that's okay. You're, it's not your parents' fault that their parents didn't teach them apologetics. It's not my parents' fault that they didn't teach that to me, but it is my fault for not teaching it to my kids. And so um, I, I just think this is so much more relevant today than ever before because it's, it's, it's almost fashionable to question God. It's almost fashionable to be atheist. You know, you, you kind of get respect and you, and you get high fives if, if you're a non-believer. And it's the opposite. If you are a believer, you're kind of treated hostile. Just watch any news show, any talk show, any uh, late night talk show. Um, when's the last time you heard Jesus Christ that wasn't in a cuss word on a show talking about the truth of it? Probably never. All right, I, I owe you a pun. And so here's your pun for the day. Whoever came up with knock-knock jokes ought to win the Nobel Prize. Okay, some, some people are going to get that about fourth period. They're like, oh, Nobel. What? Do I have a knock-knock joke? Uh, sure, I've always got a knock-knock joke. Knock-knock. Uh, interrupting cat. Meow! Okay. Um, Oh, no, I don't like that one as much. Okay, I love chapel today. I love that we pray with God. Hey, God, where are you going today? Can I hang along? Can I tag along? I never really thought about that. I learned that today. Um, and, and it is kind of difficult. I don't know about you, but prayer is difficult for me in general. Praying is very difficult. I tend to pray like this. Dear God, I need this, 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 and this. I know you're powerful and you can do all this. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Um, but... I haven't really thought about a contemplative prayer or just a prayer where you sit and you listen or you just ask God, hey, where are you going? So um, I hope that challenged you and I hope that gave you oh, something to think about. Um, today, I want to start off with Sudoku. And in fact, I have a Sudoku puzzle. Let me just throw everything on the floor. Um, Yes, I'm going to explain it. Okay, so look at, look at the graphic. Look at the slide. 
Have you ever done a Sudoku puzzle? If not, here's how you do one. The classic Sudoku game involves this grid. It's made up of 81 squares, okay? The grid is divided into nine boxes, each containing nine squares, okay? Uh, each number can only be used once, one through nine, in any given box, okay? So I have to have one, two, three, four, five, six, only one time in each box. In addition, one through nine can only be used once in each row. That's a row, that's a row, that's a row, row. So by looking at the box next to it and above it and below it, you can figure out which number goes in which box. And this is a very easy entry level Sudoku. Give it a shot, see if you can fill in even one box. Nice. Now, I don't mean one little tiny square. I mean one entire nine. You got a whole box already? Okay. If you're not finished, the point of this is not to give you fun puzzle to do in Bible class. The point is this is a great analogy. In fact, go ahead and just put the puzzle away. Save it for third period or for fourth period or whatever class you're going to be bored in. No. But what I'd like you to do is take your notes out because the stuff that I'm going to talk about now is really important and it'll be on the test. Okay. As you work through this Sudoku puzzle, it is a great... Hey, guys, quiet. As you work through this Sudoku puzzle, this is a great analogy between showing life and the existence of God. You say, what? It really is because if you do not answer one box correctly in your Sudoku puzzle, the rest of the puzzle is unsolvable and it's in contradiction with itself. If you have two fives in the same row, doesn't work. Or if you have two fives in the same box of nine, doesn't work. So every single number has to be exactly right and if you, have, if you double up on your numbers, your puzzle's unsolvable. And I've been there. I've gotten to the last one in a, a little harder than that one. And I can't figure it out. And I don't know where I made my mistake. And I got to go back. And then I got to cheat and turn it over and find out where the red numbers are. And I'm like, oh, geez. One number's wrong. The whole puzzle's unsolvable. It's kind of like in life. If you get the God question wrong, and I'm not telling you, what the right answer is. But if you answer the God question wrong, your life will be in contradiction and ultimately unsolvable. Remember the jigsaw puzzle from yesterday? If you lose one piece, you can't solve the puzzle. You say, well, it's 99.9% .9 done. I know, but you're missing the piece right there. Yeah, but that's good enough for me. No. We want all the pieces to fit in our puzzle and say, I did it. I solved the puzzle. Okay. It's the same with the Sudoku. Let's talk about the foundation for truth. First of all, you're going to be told things in college like there is no such thing as truth. Please email me the, the second your professor says that. Just open up your phone right there and just go, Mr. Dean, <laughs> he said it or she said it. Um, I was told there was no truth today. I want to talk about the foundation, the basis, the bedrock of all truth.
and it is this right here. Logic. Logic is a system of proofs and inferences to truth. That's what it is. Logic is supposed to get us to truth. It's one of the ways that we can get to truth. Can you get to truth through experience? Hey, that's hot. Don't touch it. <laughs> did I experience hot? Yep. Did I get to truth? I sure did. I can get to truth through experience. Can I get to truth through um, emotion? Sure. Can I get to truth through math? Sure. Can I get to truth through logic? Yeah, it's another way to get us to truth. Many ways, this is one of them, and this is actually the foundation for truth. Logic does not change. Now that in itself, most atheists have never considered fully, because if they did, it would be a contradiction. And if they were honest, they would need to figure out the contradiction so that it doesn't contradict. I'm assuming everybody knows what a contradiction is, right? Contradiction is, I'm a man, I'm a woman. Well, you can't be both a man and a woman at the same time. Oh, yes, I can. That's a contradiction. Or, uh, man, it is freezing hot in here. What? It can't be freezing hot. It's either freezing cold or it's boiling hot, right? It's hot or cold. You, you can't have it be hot cold. We call that warm, lukewarm. So logic does not change. Logic is always, has always been, and will always be the same. Think about it for a minute. Logic is the same for every culture in history, every era of time, and it's the same for every person that ever lived. Was two plus two different in the Stone Age? Was nine divided by three actually seven in India in the 1800? No, it's always been the same. Logic is always the same, no matter the, the culture, the people, wherever. This is funny because something can't be logical on Tuesday and then illogical on Thursday. You know? Gravity pulls down on an object at how many meters per second squared? Is it seven? Around eight. Something like that. Let's just say that it's true. In other words, if I drop, if I, if I let go of this, you're all pretty sure that the marker is going to fall to the floor. But what if it's Friday the 13th? Would it like slam up to the ceiling? No, because logic would say that it's always going to do what it says it's going to do. It's not going to change from day to day, from time to time, from person to person. What's interesting is, and I would... I would love for you to memorize this. Ask a non-believer. Ask a non-believer. Ask a skeptic. Ask an atheist. Ask an agnostic. If logic does not change, there is absolutely no way to explain where logic came from in our universe if the God of the Bible is not real, if he does not exist. Let me say that again, because it's a lot of words. How can you explain something like logic that does not change? It can't change. It's, it's immovable. It's unchangeable. 
how do you explain where logic came from if the God of the Bible does not exist? If the universe sort of started itself, the Big Bang, boom, you know through naturalistic sciences, evolution, that the world, the universe is always changing. We're running out of usable energy. It's called the law of entropy or the second law of thermodynamics. Things tend to go from order. This is the part where you fill it in. To chaos, order to disorder. If you take your room, which looks like a dump, and you leave it alone, you shut the door, and in six months, will it look more vacuumed? Will it look more dusted? Will it look more organized? Will your shelves actually become stronger and more varnished and more... No, what happens if I shut my room off for six years, 10 years, 60 years, and I open it up? What will I find? Lots of dust. The shelf broke. Some books fell off. The carpet's dirty. Things go from a state of order to disorder. They don't go from a state of disorder to order. That's a law in the universe. Things are always changing. If that's so, if our sun, is our sun changing? What is it changing to? Mickey Mouse? Our sun's got this much energy, this much gas in the tank. What's happening to it right now as we speak? It's draining. It's using. It's, they say in a couple billion years, our sun is going to go out. Holy cow. That's not going to be fun. Just, whoa, got really dark in here all of a sudden. What happened? Well, the sun went out. But it's true. The sun's using up its own energy. Um, what's happening to stars? What's already happened to some stars? They've burned out, but their light's just getting to us. Isn't that kind of cool? Look at that, that thing burned out 10,000 years ago, but the light's just getting to us. Crazy, right? If that's true. So tell me this. With our universe, you're aging. Time is aging you. It's growing turtles. It's growing salamanders. Salamanders live and then they die. Nothing stays. Th Where did logic come from? What's the source of logic if God doesn't exist? Can you explain that, Mr. Mr. Atheist? You see, an atheist, an honest one, has no explanation for where logic is sourced. What could have produced in this universe a system that cannot change? What could have produced that? Oh. Well, you know, the only thing that can produce something that cannot change is something that cannot change. And it's funny because the God of the Bible is described as never changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He does not change. His nature dictates he is unchangeable. Isn't that crazy? So we actually have a more logical explanation for where logic came from than an atheist does. An atheist just has to have a lot of faith and say, well, I don't know, but one day we'll find out. Which is illogical, by the way, because that's an appeal to the future. All right, so um, I, I hope this is... Even if it's not fun, I hope it's at least interesting to you because it's like, hey, I didn't know that. This class, I'm hoping, strengthens your faith. Even if your relationship with God isn't all that good, at least it strengthens your, your faith. And what do I mean by faith? Gee, I hope it's true. No, what did we say yesterday? What's faith? It's the guarantee. Yes, it's the promise. It's the guarantee we have for the promises that were made that we just don't have yet. Remember Gracie's Lamborghini? I show it to her. 
the door. She, she looks at the Lamborghini. She sees the title. Her name's on it. How much I paid for it. And I say, it's yours. And she goes, great. Does she have to hope for something she has? No. But I say, look, you can't have it now. But when you graduate, it's in the safe. And the car's in the garage. Got a chain on it. You can't get in it. Now, she hopes for it. It's not, gee, I wish it's true. It's, it's there. It's my promise. It's mine. I know it. I can't see it right now because I'm not graduated yet. But when I do, I know what's waiting for me. That's hope in the Bible. That's faith in the Bible. And Google wants to tell the world Christians are schmucks because they believe things without proof. Are you kidding me? Who's the schmuck? Who's, the, who's able to explain where logic came from? You, Mr. Atheist? You have nothing. I at least have an unchanging, immovable God. Yeah, well, that's easy enough. I can come up with a God. All right, do you have any proof for that God? You bet I do. I got mounds of proof. What do you have? Okay, so that was my attempt at imitating little crickets. I'll just do cameras. That's better. Um, okay, so uh, let, me, let me think about this. Think about laws of nature. Give me a law of nature that's not gravity. Give me a law of nature. Gee, Mr. Dean, I don't think about laws of nature. We'll start. Inertia. What's inertia? Sounds like you have a cold. Inertia. Good. Tends to stay in motion unless an outside force acts upon it. Good. Give me another law of nature. Good. Oh. Law of thermodynamics. First, second, third. How about uh, speed of light? Is that constant? Does that change? Nope. How about time? Is that constant or does it change? Man, that hour only lasted 40 minutes. What? No, hours always last 60 minutes. Always, always, always. Or how about the law of planetary motion? It's like the sun just, oh man, the sun's really in a hurry today. Nope, the sun goes the same speed. The planets move at the same, in fact, it's so precise, it's mathematical. Did you know that? The planets in our solar system, in fact, every heavenly body, and I don't mean that really good looking girl, I know what Jacob's saying, heavenly body. Ooh, yeah. Now, every heavenly body, every planet, every star, every single physical object in the universe is moving at a precise rate. We can calculate where I need to launch the rocket in order to land on the, one of the moons of Saturn in 17 years. And I can do it mathematically. Now, why is that important? Let me ask you a question. How do you understand math? Is math a reality? Yes or no? This is where you say, yes. Math is a reality. Where is math understood? Where is it comprehended? Where is it reasoned? What? In your brain. So is math a physical reality? Does it have atoms and molecules? Dang it, what? I tripped over math. No, it's not something I can slice or put in the microwave. What you got in there? I got some math in the microwave. Oh, I love math. It's not a physical object. So it's a mental concept. Who is able to understand math in all of its complexities? Okay, you're getting crazy on me. I'm just trying to, you're jumping the gun there. Huh? If it's understood in the brain, 
So, yeah. Primarily humans. Do you know any birds doing pre-cal? Do you know any, like, I don't know, giraffe doing algebra? So humans are the ones who understand the mental concept that is a reality, math. Let me ask you a question. When did math begin? Let me ask you this. And I'd invite my atheists and my agnostic friends to come along with me. When did math come about? Okay, good. So there's a difference between invent and discover, right? We didn't invent math. We discovered it. So was math, did math predate human existence? Do you think there's an honest atheist out there that would say, no, I think humans made up math? Well, maybe there is, but I think you're right, Maddie. I think mathematics has been there as long as... That is, okay, good. You've already put that together. I love it. She's, that's exactly where I'm going. Because if I'm an atheist and I say, there's no God, this universe just blew itself into existence. Are you kidding me? You're stupid and I'm smart. I want to say, tell me something. If math is a reality and it's a mental concept that can only be understood in a human brain and above, not below human, but above a human, human and above. Angels probably understand math if they're real. Demons may be able to calculate. I don't know. God, if he's real, would obviously understand math. Then if math, it's true, and it can only be understood in a human mind, why are the planets, which were around a long time before humans, obeying laws of math? Why are the planets obeying that? There's absolutely no rational answer to why the planets are locked into a mathematical law if humans are the only ones that can understand the concept of math. Do the planets, under, does Jupiter go, holy cow, I'm a little behind, I better scoot up, <laughs> I'm out of orbit. Jupiter doesn't do that. Jupiter doesn't understand math, it's just a slave to it. Question? <laughs> I didn't know if you, I didn't mean, go ahead and ask me, do you have a question? Okay, go. Cool. Shoot. So the planets follow laws, but math is formed around these laws that planets follow. No. So the laws are made up of the math, along with other things like physical properties. So these laws contain math. They can be described mathematically, but they are not math itself because math is only a concept. But these laws are using the, a mental human concept called math. Why? There's, that's completely illogical without God. I just want to show you that belief in God is not stupid. It's actually the most rational. It's the most believable. It's where the evidence is pointing us. How do you have a mental concept that's enslaved physical objects? That, that's crazy. And you probably never thought about that. Some of you have. Some of you haven't. But to me, that's a powerful proof that how do we explain this? Stuff? Why are the planets so precise? Why, why don't they ever disobey? Bad planet. Bad Venus. Shame on you, Mars. You should be in your orbit. What are you doing? It doesn't ever disobey. Why? It's a slave. It's locked in to a human mental concept. That just blows me away. Okay.
It's hot in here, and I'm just adding to it with all this hot air coming out of my mouth. All right. There is a law. You need to know this. It's the foundation for logic. See, logic is the foundation for truth. There's a law that's the foundation for logic. So we're going to get to the... And this is called the law of non-contradiction. I love this law. It is so cool. The law of non-contradiction. Do you know what the law of non-contradiction is? Okay, yeah, it says something can't contradict itself, right? Let me give you an example of how the law of non-contradiction works. Um, who doesn't want to be called on? Amelia, are you going to go off campus for lunch today? Why not? Okay, I, hang on a sec. Okay, that's in my notes. Amelia, are you going off campus for lunch today? Why not? How come? Don't you usually go off campus for lunch? How come you're not going today? Do you have something else going on? What? You are going off campus. How come? Why not? Because you want to eat? Are you just not hungry? Did you, did you eat a big breakfast? Is that why? Is that why you're not going to eat at lunch? You're going to stay here? You see how the law of non-contradiction works? I'm going to go off campus for lunch. How come you're not going off campus for lunch? I didn't say that. How come you said that? Why are you asking so many questions? I wish I could ask a few questions. You don't even let me get a word in. I'm not saying any of these. You're contradicting everything I say. So the law of non-contradiction says something can't be true. Amelia is going off campus for lunch. And something can also not be true. Amelia's not going off campus for lunch at the same time. That's called a contradiction. And it literally means against what's said. Okay. Something cannot be true and untrue at the same time. Dot, dot, dot. What's that mean? Dot, dot, dot means what? When you see dot, dot, dot on a... There's more coming. Good. In your notes. Something cannot be true and untrue at the same time, dot, 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 and in the same way or in the same respect. Make sure you write that. Everyone forgets that on the test and they get the definition wrong. Because the definition isn't something can't be true and untrue at the same time. The definition is something cannot be both true and untrue at the same time and in the same way. Here's what I mean. What color is this marker? I hear black and I hear white. It cannot be both black and white at the same time and in the same way. Can the coloring be black and white? Yes. But what color is the marker? Is it both black and white? No, it's black. Can it be black and red at the same time? No. It could be black and then I read it. <laughs> okay. Those are dumb jokes that are puns that we like in this class. Yes. So the people who say that there is no truth, that is not <laughs> Diggity dog. I love it. The professor that stands up there and in an arrogant way says, let me tell you something, you millennials, you bunch of generational goofballs. There is no such thing as truth. You need to raise your hand and say, excuse me, Mr. Professor, love the class. That statement right there, is that a true statement? And if he goes, well, of course it is. Didn't you just say there's no such thing as truth? Yeah. How can you say then 
the statement, there's no such thing as truth. Is that a false statement? If he says yes, it's a contradiction. If he says no, it's a contradiction. No matter what he says, he's just given you a contradiction. And you've just exposed the, the goofiness of self-refuting claims. You know what a self-refuting claim is? People who use English to say stuff are liars. Yeah, Mr. Dean, didn't you just use English to, to say something? I did. Then are you saying you're a liar? If I say no, I'm contradicting myself. If I say yes, I'm contradicting myself. Isn't that great? Dead gummit. Okay, blasted bell. Any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, conundrums? No? Okay, good.